all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, what's fascinating about that part here is Jesus doesn't say, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'm going to take away all of your problems. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to give you everything that you want. Jesus says, no, what I'm going to give you is something the world cannot give you with your weariness and with your burdens, is I'm going to give you rest. Now, Jesus isn't talking about giving you a little time out where you can take an afternoon break or take an afternoon nap. Some of us might need an afternoon nap in this season. I know I have over the last few weeks. But Jesus is calling us to a spiritual rest that he's come to set the captives free, this freedom from sin, this freedom from death, this freedom from striving to please God. We don't have to work and work and work to please God, that we can find rest for our souls, that God is pleased with humanity and he loves us. And that's why he sent Jesus to us. So Jesus calls specifically to those of us who are weary, to those of us who feel burdened, that he wants to give rest to our soul. And Jesus also says that he has come to call sinners. So often I meet people when we talk about spiritual things, we talk about Jesus, we talk about attending church. Sadly, I've met so many people in the 20 plus years that I've been a follower of Jesus who feel like, well, I'll start coming to church once I deal with my life a little bit more. I've got some stuff in my life that I'm not proud of. And once I kind of deal with that, then I feel like I'd be accepted at church. I feel like I'd be welcomed into kind of the church and the house of God and be among the people of God. And for me, there's nothing more heartbreaking than hearing those words from someone because they're probably saying them because that's the way they've been made to feel, that they weren't welcome in the church, that they weren't welcome with the people of God because of some stuff and some junk in their lives. And that's why I adamantly believe that the church needs to be the safest, most welcoming group of people in the world. Because Jesus calls sinners. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 19, verses 12 and 13. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, every single human being on the planet has sin. I have sin. Everyone in my church has sin. We all have sin. Some of our sin might be a little bit more visible than other people. Some sins might be a little bit more internal than other people, but we all have it. And the beauty of the message of Jesus is that he's come, not for the self-righteous. He didn't come for perfect church people. He came for the weary and for the burdened and for the sinner. And the beauty of Jesus, that when he comes to us, 
in that state of weariness, of feeling burdened, of recognizing that we're sinners, the beauty of Jesus is he does not leave us there. He doesn't leave us where he found us, but he brings us on a journey with him to deal with these things. Right? We read about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Apostle Paul writes to the church. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. A new is here. You know, over 20 years ago, I was actually reading a Bible on my commute to work. I used to take a, a train from the suburbs of Montreal where I was living into the city. And I had bought a Bible and I was going through it. I started right at the very beginning in the book of Genesis and I was working my way all the way through it. And what I was ultimately trying to do was to disprove the existence of God. I was trying to disprove some things I had heard about God and things that I had learned about Jesus through some Christians that I had met in an online ministry over 20 years ago. And as I was going through this, I realized that I was weary that I was trying to be this good boy, that I was trying to have this great reputation, that I was working so hard so that everyone would see me as a great person. And it was making me weary and burdened. And I recognized that this sin that I had was keeping me far from God. And on that train over 20 years ago, with just a Bible in my hand, completely by myself, I just prayed a simple prayer and I said, God, forgive me of my sin. Today I give you my life. Come into my life. Do whatever you want to do. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll say whatever you want. Just come into my life. And what happened in that moment is exactly what Paul talks about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In that moment, Kevin Presso died. And then I was made new. And then with God the Father... Jesus, God, the son, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, I go on this journey for 20 years dealing with my weariness and my burdens and my sin. And so what does Jesus want us to become? Well, Jesus wants us to become exactly what we sing in this song. Oh, come all ye faithful. Jesus wants us to become more faithful. Jesus wants us to become more joyful. And Jesus wants us to become more triumphant in our faith journey with him. So what I want to do for the remainder of our time together is look at some verses from the New Testament on how Jesus makes us more faithful, on how Jesus makes us more joyful, and how Jesus makes us become more triumphant in the lives that we live in a burdened, weary, sinful world. Right. So let's look at a bunch of verses here. How does Jesus help us become more faithful? A few verses here I want you to consider today. The first is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Right. The author of Hebrews writes, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me say that again. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. See, the author of Hebrews here reminds us that our faith didn't start with us. 
that God was doing a work, whether in the world around us or in our own hearts, that God was the one who started this process of faith that we're on, that he brought situations into our life or he allowed situations into our lives so that we would be more attuned to hear his voice and that Jesus is the one who is building us up in our faith journey. And so because of what Jesus has done, we fix our eyes on him. Right? There's so many things that we could fix our eyes on in this world of weariness and burdensome and sin. Right? If, if we could be so obsessed on a COVID vaccine, or we could be so ob- obsessed on kind of what guidelines that the government is allowing, or we become so obsessed on certain doctrinal statements and doctrinal positions, and we, we, we get so distracted that if I could just have this, or if I could just have more money, or if I could just have a better job, or if I could just have a better education, if my spouse would just listen to me more. We fix our eyes on other things that we think will build us up. And ultimately, those things will always let us down because it comes from man-made people stuff. So that's why the author here reminds us, no, no, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus to become more faithful. That's why one of the things that I've been doing on and off over the last 20 years of my faith journey is I journal. Right? I've got different journals from different seasons of my life because it's important for me personally to write down sometimes when I see God working. Write down when I see God answering prayer. Write down when I see when I've been wrestling or struggling with something and I've seen God move. I, you know, I don't journal these massive pages. They're never going to be published by anyone. And in fact, some of them, I'm going to put a big label on them that will say burn upon death. Because <laughs> I don't want anyone to read these to really know what kind of thoughts are going through my brain at some points in my life. But what those things help me do is in those times of weariness, in those times of burden in those times when I see sin in the world or sin in my own heart, I can look back to that and go, wow, Jesus was faithful before. And I can trust that he'll be faithful again. I can trust him. And so I fix my eyes on him. And by fixing my eyes on what Jesus has done, it builds my faith in a season where I may not be seeing him at work. That's why I've been sharing with all of you as much as I can. Whenever I have one-on-one meetings with people, whenever I talk about what God has been doing in our Greenbelt online ministry since the COVID pandemic began, God is doing incredible things. We have seen over 70 people put their faith in Jesus during this season, both here in in our English service and over in our Arabic service. We've seen our youth ministry grow to heights that we've never seen before since I've been here, since this fusion program launched 13 years ago. We have like, we had a Christmas event just last night and there were over 70 people in attendance for this. Just amazing. We're seeing so many people finding ways to serve in a new way. We're seeing people being loved and cared for and supported and followed up with. We're seeing more adults engaging in life groups and learning and getting deeper into God's word and caring for one another. We have to fix our eyes on what Jesus is doing because that's the only thing that's going to build us up to be more faithful is to see what Jesus is doing. 
Another verse from Romans chapter 10 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, so, and hearing through the word of Christ. How do we become more faithful? Well, we spend more time in God's word. We spend more time hearing from God. Usually when I talk to people who their faith feels really weak, I ask them, how much time do you spend in God's word? And most of the time, the answer is none or next to none. Or the only time I spend time in God's word is when I listen to your sermon on Sunday. And I open up a Bible app or I open up a paper Bible and then I put it on the shelf for the rest of the week. Right? Faith comes from hearing. See, if you want to kind of fix our eyes on Jesus more, we need to be able to hear and discern the voice of Jesus. And what is the best way to discern the voice of Jesus? It's, well, to read the word of God. Because the Bible is the voice of God, and it speaks to us, and it counsels us, and it guides us. And yes, it challenges us, and yes, it might upset us. <laughs> and that's okay. And we wrestle with that together, right? And so this is just two of the ways that Jesus helps us to become more faithful. We need to fix our eyes on him. We fix our eyes on him and we got to fix our ears on him by hearing him and hearing his word to help grow our faith. The second way that Jesus um, helps us become, he helps us become more joyful. Jesus helps us to become more joyful. I love in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the Apostle Paul writes to the church and he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he goes through a list. And this list isn't a list that says, well, as a follower of Jesus, you should get one or two of these things. The text isn't written that way in the original language. The fruit of the Spirit, singular, is all of these things. So as a follower of Jesus, you should become, you should be growing in, you should be coming um, more loving is the first one. And the second one is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Jesus wants to help us become more joyful, right? And joy is the fruit that comes from a right relationship with God, Right? It's understanding that our relationship with God doesn't come from our traditions. It doesn't come from our behavior. It doesn't come from how we're living our lives. It doesn't come from how we volunteer, how much money we donate to charity, what political party we, we subscribe to, all of those things. That's not what brings joy. What brings joy is knowing that God loves you and that God's forgiveness for your sin is completely and totally available to everyone. It doesn't matter how you've lived your life in the past. It doesn't matter how you're living your life right now. It doesn't matter what struggles that you're dealing with. Is that you can have a right relationship with God because of Jesus. That Jesus would love you so much that he would want to deal with your sin, 
You see, because of the holiness of God, sin must be dealt with. You see, God doesn't work like we work as human beings, where we just kind of go, ah, well, okay, I get it. You messed up. You screwed up. We all screw up. We'll just kind of ignore it and, you know, let bygones be bygones. (laughs) See, we respond that way, but God can't. Because it would go against his character and his nature as truly loving and as completely holy. And so God must deal with sin because of his holiness. But because he's also love, that he doesn't require us to deal with it. That he will deal with our sin himself. And that Jesus went to the cross and that the full weight of sin, the full burden of sin was put on him instead of us. And then then God's forgiveness comes into our lives when we acknowledge that, that Jesus is Lord. That's why this song says, come, let us adore him. Let us worship him. Let us get on our knees in a posture of adoration because of what he has done. And that position, that posture of worship and adoration increases our joy. Look at in Luke chapter 2 as part of the Christmas story. This is what Luke writes. He says, but when an angel came to shepherds about the birth of Jesus, kind of telling them what God has done, the angel said this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. When we recognize who Jesus is, what God has done 2,000 years ago, it increases our joy. Not because of the happenings happening around us, but because of what God has done for us and made our relationship fully restored with him. We rejoice. Now, you might be watching this today and you might be hearing this for the first time, thinking that the Christian faith was all about your behavior. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. You see, 20 years ago when I came to Jesus and I studied the Bible and I read it for myself, I realized there's nothing I could do to earn God's love. There's a passage in the Bible saying that none of us can earn God's favor because if we could, we wouldn't be humble about it. We would brag about it to other people. We would compare ourselves how spiritual I am. I'm more spiritual than you. God must love me more. And so that's why we're all on an equal playing field when it comes to sin. And the Apostle Paul teaches that all we have to do to welcome this joy into our lives, to welcome this Savior that has been born for you, is to simply say, God, thank you that Jesus died for me. Thank you that you love me so much that you want to deal with my sin. Thank you, God, that you want to deal with my weariness and my burden and my sin. And today, Jesus, I invite you into my life. I pray that you would help to grow my faith. I pray that you would make me more joyful. I pray that you would make me more triumphant. Just pray that simply. And I would love if you would let us know that you've prayed that today. There's a little pop-up that shows up in the chat. I would love if you would click that button. And another little button comes up afterwards. If you click that, it brings up a form. You can just let us know. 
excuse me, put your name and your email address there to let us know that you've done this because we would love to connect with you and to celebrate with you this decision that you've made today. Right, so Jesus doesn't leave us in our weariness and our burden and our sin. He helps us to become more faithful. He helps us to become more joyful as we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And finally, Jesus helps us become more triumphant. Jesus helps us become more triumphant. Look at this prophecy from the book of Isaiah that talks about the birth of Jesus. This is talking about who Jesus is. And when you realize this is who has your back, this is who died for you. This is who loves you. This is the person who is this this man, you know, fully man, fully God. He's the one who's dealt with sin. He's the one who's come into your life. He wants to do these things. This is who he is. Right, it says in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and his peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You see, you and I, we don't live the Christian triumphant life because we get what we want or we accomplish what we want or because we are good. See, you and I are triumphant because Jesus has already won. That Jesus has already dealt with sin and death and our spiritual enemy and any authority that we have in this world while we long and while we wait for his return. It's his authority. It's his triumph. It's his name. And because of who he is, you and I are triumphant. And so we remember that. We reflect on that. We need to remember that the Christmas story is not simply about a helpless baby in a manger. It's not simply about cute little baby Jesus. It's about the fact that Jesus truly is the King of Kings. It's that Jesus truly is the Lord of Lords. That Jesus truly is the Alpha and the Omega. That nothing can come into being without him speaking it into existence. That Jesus is the chosen one who saves us from our sins. That Jesus is the author, the perfecter of our faith. That he's the prince of peace. That he's the bread of life. That he's the light of the world. He's the savior. He's the lifter of our head. He's born the king of angels and we come and we adore him because he is Christ the Lord. So, yeah, all of us at some point in our lives, we feel like we should be singing, oh, come all ye sinner, weak and weary. But today we adore Jesus because he didn't leave us there. We adore him because he has made us joyful. He's made us triumphant. He has made us faithful. That is why we can sing during the Christmas season and each and every day we can sing, Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. 
Come ye to Bethlehem. Come, behold him, born the king of angels. Come, let us adore him. Let us adore him. Right where you are today, adore him. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you were willing to be obedient to the will of the Father, to leave heaven, to leave your glory, to leave your throne, to be born of a young virgin girl in a backwater town, in a backwater culture, in in a time when there was no health care and no epidurals and no medicine. And, And you came and you experienced the weariness. You experienced the burden of this life as fully man. But I'm grateful that you never once gave in to sin, though you were tempted in every way that I'm tempted, that we are tempted, and that you are victorious over sin and death. Fully God, fully man. And God, today we adore you for what you have done that Christmas morning so many years ago. We praise you. And yes, Christmas will look different a little bit this year. But God, we still praise you and adore you because regardless of the externals around this season, Jesus is still on his throne and Jesus is still triumphant. And so God, today, make us more faithful, make us more joyful and help us to live lives of triumph as we trust your work in our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus name. Amen.